be ridiculous. Hi everyone, this is Camille Sam again from Cairo. Uh, this was a good night for me as I beat Noor El Tayeb to love. Very happy with my performance. Um, I prepared well for this match with my coach today and I'm glad I um, managed to stick to the plan. Um, yeah, played well, um, got good targets, I think, and... Uh, Played uh, freely my shots as well, so I think it made a difference. Yeah, just a quick word about my match against Noor. Uh, the difference um, with our match in Manchester when uh, she beat me 3-1. Uh, I think uh, today I felt fresher physically, first of all. Um, and um, I tried uh, tactically, I tried to um, be more in front of her um, and to play my game. The game that I like is... Uh, you know, volleying, um, stay in front of my opponent and uh, attack, like make my opponent move on the court. And I think today I uh, I did it pretty well. So, um, yeah, I think that that was the main difference, not give her too much time, you know, to play a, a hold. Um, so, yeah, very positive because I still have a chance to qualify for the summits. I think we're all... Uh, Pretty close with uh, Noor and uh, Hania, so still a very important match tomorrow. I will be up against Amanda Sobi at uh, 9 p.m. Uh, so it will be the last pool match and uh, hopefully uh, I can uh, qualify. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, that's it for me. Uh, not much going on. I'm still uh, watching some uh, squash at the moment. Uh, really enjoying, uh, you know, this tournament. It's all the matches are great, so I I really enjoy watching all of them. Um, and uh, got the chance chance to see my friend Melissa today. She's uh she's arrived in Cairo and she's here for the for the next tournament, the CIB uh, Egypt Open. And uh, but she's she's here already to train. And uh, she's coming to uh, see my matches. So it's uh, very nice to have a, a teammate friend in my uh, corner for the matches. Uh, yeah, very happy about it. Even though I know all my team is watching from home, it's nice to actually have uh, someone uh, here that I can uh, look at when I play good shots. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everyone, for listening and uh, speak uh, again tomorrow. Have a good night. Hello everyone, welcome to Around the Course Squash podcast. That was Camille Serm, you heard just there. Fascinating to get that insight and how she changed her game plan or way of playing when she played Noor Al-Tayeb for the second time in two weeks. My name is Arthur Gaskin, with me as ever is Christopher Saki and Stuart Crawford. How are we doing, fellas? Good here. Yeah, doing well. Friday, thank God it's Friday. Killing the enthusiasm, fellas, huh? That's <laughs> <laughs> the weekend. Almost, man. you got to get through this day. True, true. Yeah, almost five o'clock for me, so I'm, I've got five minutes to go and I'm there. <laughs> Stuart, you've been on the weekend since Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly true. Monday, so, March Monday, March 17th. <laughs> <laughs> Have a look back. Actually, I got it corrected there, man. March 17th was a Tuesday. 
Was it? Yeah, I was going to say. Patrick's Day, sorry. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I knew that wasn't right, but I just didn't. I figured, I figured neither of you would know. I thought, the 17, <laughs> I, I thought the 17th might be a Wednesday or Thursday, but it just came to me. Uh, well, I know what you're. I know what you're doing there. It was yeah. seamless to say. Yeah. I, should, I, I, I probably shouldn't have said that. Really, <laughs> sorry about that. I would have got fact checked by someone. <laughs> yeah, one of our one of our listeners would have sent in a complaint. How did you not yeah. know that the seventeenth of March was a Tuesday? Yeah, our Twitter would have blown up with anger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what a what a couple of days of squish, huh? Ooh. Yeah, it seems like the, the squash has been getting better every day. Um, the court seems like it's becoming less of an issue. I'm not quite sure if that's because the, the conditions in terms of the temperature and the wind have died down or the players have just adapted. Um, still doesn't look perfect. There's still some issues with the floor and some random bounces, but certainly the quality of squash has gone up the last couple of days. Yeah, yeah, I've I've, I've been coaching a little in the late afternoon, so I've missed some of the some of the evening stuff, but, um, yeah, been some, been some awesome matches and just it's kind of interesting event, like, which, you know, we, we kind of knew it would be, but you'd never know how it's going to play out. And you had, you know, Camille take out Nor, which was, you know, a big win for her, but then Amanda take out Camille. Um, and then a couple, obviously a bunch of, similar kind of results on the men's side, which has just made for a very interesting watch. Well, how about we start with, with, with Camille and first like tackle down, not tackle, but we'll talk about the Taeb match and then how their pathways for the rest of the event went. Cause I thought that was just fascinating, but maybe I'm just easily amused. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all the groups have been quite interesting in that way. I think the only group that sort of went the way you would predict in terms of one player won all their matches, next player won every match except losing to the top player and then so on, like 3-2-1-0, was the um, group A in the women's side where Shabini won everything. Joelle obviously beat Gohar yesterday to come out second in that group. And then you had Gohar and SJ um, third and fourth. But all the other groups have ended up with Two players winning two matches out of three and two players winning one match out of three. Yeah. Um, and like you say, there's been upsets in there and there's been matches where one player's beaten another, but then they've stumbled in the next round against a different player that they're probably expected to beat. And just going back to Goar, I mean, we didn't agree on many things in our pre-event predictions, but we all seemed universal and in agreement with a bold decision to say that the current world number one may not get through a group and it proved to be the case. What are your thoughts on that? I, I didn't get to see all her matches, so I don't want to throw a blanket statement out there, but uh, the Sherbini match, I thought she looked uh, like she was wound up pretty tight. Um, you know, first match back, first match as number one in the world. She did have a lot uh, weighing on her, I'm sure, but, definitely just looked like she was wound super tight. Whereas Sherbini looked the exact opposite. She looked like she was having a bit of fun out there, free flowing. Um, So yeah, I don't know. Did, did you guys see any of her other matches and, and did it, did it look similar a little? She, she always plays like that, right? She always plays very hard. Like she never, she's never playing in a relaxed state. It's always 
pretty up-tempo and smashing the ball around. But in between rallies, I just noticed from her body language, she looked wound up. Yeah, I kind of, my take on a pre-event, I had a feeling that she might feel, because she's young as well. And uh, to be world number one at that age is an incredible achievement. And I just think not having, you know, like a quick turnover, like she was number one in the world in June or July. And then it was like she had to wait a long period of time before she was out in the public domain. And I just had a feeling that that might be something that she, as he, as he, I think she's going to learn a lot from this week. And I think she's going to come back really strong next week. So I think she, she could be one to watch out for. Um, but I thought, yeah, there's just a little bit of added tension and a little bit of pressure that she, an expectation she might have felt or put on herself building up to the event and, and, and playing. But I think by playing a few matches, she might have freed up a bit. That's my personal take. Could be complete nonsense. Yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't write her off at this stage. Um, I'm pretty no. sure she's going to come back and have some good events. And um, whether she can hold on to the number one position throughout the season and prove that she's the dominant player, probably doubtful there. I think uh, Shabini has just looked phenomenal. We talked about it in the last episode, but um, she's the only player undefeated in either the men's or the women's events so far. And she hasn't even dropped a game, to be honest. Um, so... Like we said, when she's in that sort of form, she's very difficult to beat. And it's hard to see anyone beating her uh, this for the remaining two matches, semis and finals. Um, but I don't think you can really write Gohar off. Uh, I watched her match against Joelle yesterday. I thought Joelle was excellent. I thought her movement was as good as I've seen it. Um, yeah. She looked really focused but relaxed. I sometimes feel with Joelle, it's about finding... She's always quite focused, but sometimes she's quite tense with that focus. Yeah. But she she seemed to get the balance right between being really in the zone, but nice and free-flowing, playing the ball in short, which she doesn't always use, use to her advantage. Um, she maybe got a little, not lucky, but she was 10-6 down in the first game and managed to come back and win six points in a row, which sort of set her up. Um, playing some yeah. really good squash to be fair yeah she did to be fair there were six well constructed points yeah and then the, she carried that into the second game and was a deserving winner playing some of the best squash I've seen for certainly for a while um, but yeah I think Gohar will be there or thereabouts but whether she can be the dominant figure is very questionable in my mind that's fair I mean yeah and Shabini is looking, looking amazing yeah, what do you I think mean, Shavini plays Tayeb next, and I've picked Tayeb to win the tournament, so I kind of have to stick with Tayeb to win that. But I mean, if I was able to change that prediction, I think I'd. Well, I, I know I would. Yeah, but uh, you oh. can't. You can't talk nonsense, man. Oh, oh, I could change it. Listen. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, he, ro- he just rode the fence by saying, "I won't change it." but I would change it. Yeah. I was riding the fence. Yeah, nonsense. Oh, I, w- I would have changed. You know what? I, I, I had money on Liverpool win the Champions League last year. If I'd have known they weren't going to win it, I would have put money on somebody else. Come on, man. I mean, Arthur, you need to be very careful here if we're going to start ridiculing prediction. No, listen, listen. I tell you what, listen. All I'm saying, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm any oracle. I'm just saying you can't change. And you can't say, oh, I would change if I could change. As if to say that, now I foresee a different winner. <laughs> That's all I'm saying, bro. <laughs> but then you're piping smoke it. <laughs> Real interesting match with... Um, sorry, I, I know I've brought it up already, but the whole dynamic of the group of death, as we call it, um, with Camille and, and Tayeb, their pathway, was just, I don't know, drama at the highest order. So, so Tayeb needed Amanda to beat Camille to get in. 
Yeah. She had two two possibilities. She either had to beat uh, Hanya to love, um, which would have put her above her in the group, but she lost the first game and then came back and won 2 1, but that still left Hanya one point ahead of her. So at that point, she then needed to rely on Amanda beating Kami, um, which is what happened, which just going by form from the previous day, obviously, Kami had beaten um, Nur and Amanda had lost both her matches to love, so she hadn't picked up a game at that point. You would have said going by form, I think even their head-to-head was something like... 7-0. Yeah, I think that was just in PSA, actually. I think Amanda had had a few wins over Camille, but in like world teams. Hmm. Um, But it was yet to go back sort of four or five years, I think, to to Amanda's last win. Um, But it it was interesting, sort of just maybe the pressure was off and she just relaxed and played some great squash, Amanda. Um, looked relaxed and clinical. It's quite an interesting dynamic, that, though. Uh, you know, you, you put yourself in Amanda's shoes, you've got nothing to lose, you just go for it and it's like happy days. And win or lose, like, you're not, you're nowhere off. Whereas with Camille, I don't, it just, I found that dynamic, the mental dynamics, fascinating yesterday. Even before they started playing, I was thinking this could be an interesting one. Yeah, that's that's what I said before the uh I think it was before the event, but just that like getting that mental toughness back I find after a long break is the toughest part for me. I remember like what I want to do in terms of tactics. I you know, you you you're maybe not quite as sharp physically or tactically and your timing and everything, but I find the hardest part is that mental toughness and it's been seen a couple times in this event where players who have no pressure play amazing players who have a lot of pressure on them are finding it a little bit more challenging to cope with that potentially. I'm not yeah. saying I called it, but I called it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that called. situation could have gone one of two ways as well. You could have looked at, I mean, Amanda could have looked at it while well, I'm out of the tournament. I've got nothing to play for. And you could have said, well, Camille's got everything to play for. She needs to win to make the semis. So, she's got all the incentive to go 100% and Amanda maybe doesn't. But at the same time, I think Amanda was maybe just so disappointed with her first two performances that she was out to prove a point and set herself up next uh, for the Egyptian Open next week with a really good performance leading into that. Yeah, she certainly did that. Yeah. Through a cats amongst the pigeons, as they say. Is that what they say? No yeah. idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm moving on to the men's. Oh, more great squash. There were some really good matches. Uh, I mean, the, the Farag and Diego match was, that first game was some of the best squash I've seen for a long time. How about that rally at game ball? Yeah. Um, uh, it's rare that you see one rally almost end the match there and then, but even Diego um, won that game in the end. Uh, that rally and the whole tie break in general probably cost him the match. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, I wouldn't say he was a shadow of the man, but he certainly wasn't. Didn't have the same physical presence. Uh, it was definitely a good investment of Ali Farag to keep those rallies and to hang in there as long as he did. Jeez. Yep. Yeah, I mean the the positive takeaway for the, from this event for Diego is definitely that he looks strong. He looks like he's moving well. He looks pretty like comfortable out there. But I don't know if 
the big thing that, you know, he's been looking for for the last couple of years is the ability to, to back up those huge games or huge matches back to back days. Right. So, um, but it's, it's still very early in, in this broken up season. So, uh, he has time, he has time to put it together. Yeah. And maybe just having those first few matches, it might, might stand him in good stead for next week. You know, like we said before, last week at Manchester, is one thing like playing practice matches, but we all know the added stress and tension that creeps into the body and in the mind and the psyche when you go to play when the stakes are high. So maybe, who knows, time will tell. He's certainly not far off. I mean, he's already beaten Gawad um, this week and he lost to Rosner, but he probably looked favourite until the court conditions and his mental state got the better of him in that match. Yeah. And then that first game against Ali was just really high quality. Um, the other match that really impressed me yesterday was uh, Gawad against Rosner. Some, some really good squash in that one as well. I think Rosner probably should feel a little bit unfortunate because he's probably played some... He's probably happy with how he's played and he's came out not qualified for the semis. Um, I mean, yesterday he lost two love against Ali. He lost two love, but he wasn't far off in either of those matches. Yeah. yeah he looks He looks good. He looks strong. Well, they all look strong. It's a silly thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he does I, look I good. Did, yeah, I thought, he looked, I thought he looked great against Diego. Um, and just... You know, court court conditions weren't playing into uh, Diego's hands there, but he just he used it against them perfectly and stayed sharp. Um, and then the I thought pr- the most impressive uh, performance I've seen was Macon against Paul yesterday. I just thought he I thought he looked like a different person. I mean, he was in the zone mentally. He had tremendous feel with. I thought almost every single shot he hit, he he could have gone short or long, and he was just kind of carving under the ball perfectly, playing these, like, beautiful little weighted drives, um, but always making Paul, like, fear the the short ball. Um, And when he did go short, it was always – like, it seemed to be always tight and always kind of fading into the side wall, which just didn't allow Paul to play his counter very often, so I – I just thought Paul was lifting a bit and feel a bit for Paul because he was it, – it, you could tell how bad he wanted to win, but it was like that quicksand effect where it looked like the harder he tried, the more it got out of his favor. Um, yeah. And Joel was just like, you know, in that purple patch, as, uh, as you like to call it, Arthur. Love a good old purple patch. No idea what it feels like. <laughs> yeah, he he was. Geez, he could do. He couldn't do anything. He couldn't put a foot wrong yesterday. Old Macken. Yeah. No. Macon no. also made Stewart's prediction. Yeah. Not not a good prediction. Is that one you change as well as Tyeb? <laughs> uh, well, certainly going by how it's turned out, he's made me look pretty silly, but. Yeah, just the severity of a short game was so so lethal. Yeah, um, and I think I think part of that was because you can see he's playing well and he's confident. But I think playing Paul, he knows that there's no real point in playing working squash and trying to just move him out of position and then create the opening that way. So it was almost like, as you say, Chris, 
just good basics, hit his targets in the back. But then when he did decide to go short, he was so severe. It was like, I'm either going to put this ball away or I'm going to close down the court and follow up and put the next ball away. Um, and I think that's one of the things he did better than I've ever seen him play. Uh, sorry, do. was just making it so hard for Paul to get back in the rally when he did put, put that first ball in. Making, making it hard for Paul. Making yeah. it, making it real. Yeah, I, I hadn't, I hadn't seen him play with like that, like free of a hand kind of. If if you know what I'm saying, like he, yeah. he um just had su- such a nice like looseness and freeness about his hand that he just felt it just felt like his uh yeah his feel was on another level um and obviously hard to reproduce every day but uh but it's a yeah it kind of it showed showed probably where his top game can be which is which is high i think as well of what he did well as well on top of that it was complemented with how he read where paul was going to try to play the ball next so you sort of constantly see these like uh flurries of or patterns of shots of sequences that kind of reproduce themselves time and time again he was like okay i'm going to put it in here and paul's going to hit it you know in one of two spaces and he's kind of gravitating to those and he's on the next ball and just made, it made it very difficult for Paul to even sort of get a foothold or to get in front of Joel. It would always look like from a tactical perspective, he was just a half a yard or, or a yard in front of him all the time, which against someone like Paul is just incredibly hard to do for anyone in the world. Yeah. And interesting as well that that also that performance came in the eve uh, not the eve, but there was an interview on the eve of that performance from David Evans, former um, British Open champion from Wales, who works with Joel. That really believes he can, he has what it takes to go all the way. Some bold Great stuff. Guy. Shout out, Dave. Shout out, Dave. We we had a little uh, kind of funny. We had a little Friday happy hour going on in the kind of peak of coronavirus isolation, and. <laughs> And it, it slowly just started to become slightly bigger, but was never huge. And so like on Friday afternoons in the U.S. and night for Wales, I'd be having a beer with David Evans and uh, and a uh, friend, friend of the podcast, um, our, uh, our first guest ever, I, uh, our Irishman. Um, if he's a good friend, what's why, his name? Why, 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 uh, why am I blanking here? You mean Derek? Yeah, yeah. Um, Derek you're, Ryan. You're, you're a good friend, Derek. <laughs> I, I said friend, friend of the program. No, no, I'm just, I'm just, um, I'm just, I'm just, sorry. I'm just. <laughs> yeah, still, still haven't woken up on this Friday morning. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of, kind of funny. I didn't really know those guys, but the occasional Friday, I was sharing a, sharing a virtual beer with them. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Did we miss any matches? Maybe a bit of Marwan coming through. I mean, he basically threw his match yesterday. Yeah. Um, I think, I'm um, just looking up here, he was done in 14 minutes against Tarek. Yeah. And interestingly enough, his brother, two years ago at this same event, did the same thing. Won his first two group matches, was guaranteed a spot in the semis. Um, he was playing, it was Nick Matthews' last ever tournament and he was playing Nick Matthew in the last group match who had also qualified for the semis and just tossed the match away similar time and then went on and won the tournament. So it's almost like that little rest day did him some good and his brother's gone, I'll have some of that. If it works. 
what, what, what's your take on that, Pat? Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's a tough one. You totally Personally, get it as a competitive advantage, I, but it's ugly. I have absolutely no problem with it. Um, yeah. No, so, sorry, I wasn't asking if you had a problem or not with it. Like, granted, you do what's best for you. In terms of yourselves, like, would you benefit from that? Or would you, like, would you, would you feel you'd lose momentum? Like, what's your, sorry, that, that's what I meant with the question. No, I, I think in this situation, Marwan knows that he's playing well. And I don't think he needs um, to go on court and waste energy when he, I mean, I don't see what he's going to get out of that when he's already qualified. Um, he also had a slightly unfortunate drawing that his rest day or his assigned rest day was the first day of the tournament so he, if he's going to win the tournament he's going to have to play five matches back to back so just having that nice little recovery day in the middle probably serves him well yeah. Um, and yeah morally I don't have any issue I know it was quite a big thing in the in the Beijing Olympics in badminton I don't know if you remember there was two yeah, yeah. two two doubles <laughs> pairings that were effectively both trying to lose because it would give them a favorable draw in the knockout stages i think it was a similar format a group group stage into a knockout and i think they were trying to both avoid winning the group because the winners of the group would then have to play the number one seeds in the quarters um, it was murder over that wasn't it yeah absolutely and i just don't see why it's a problem i mean Usain Bolt will regularly go through the rounds in the 100 metres and finish second or third occasionally. And no one criticises him for not giving 100% effort in the rounds. Yeah, um, He's just conserving it. He's running the 100 and 200 metres. Michael Phelps used to do the same in swimming. He would he'd have to swim a, a final. He would swim all out, win the gold medal in the final, and then come back about 20 minutes later and swim a heat in a an event that he knows he's going to make it through and he just conserve energy, do the minimum possible and then save himself for his finals. Yeah, no, same. Look, I have no issue with it. I think, yeah, you got to look at the bigger picture. There's there's, there's one goal when you're playing a tournament or you're at an event like the Olympics and that's that's to win. Yeah. So what, but what would you do in that situation? More so, like, what would be your benefit? Stuart Crawford, 20 years, oh, maybe a bit longer? Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I think if I was in uh, Marwan's position where I was happy with how I was playing, I would do exactly what he did. I think the only way I would maybe consider doing it differently is if there was something that I wasn't happy with and I wanted to work on that or build confidence going into the semifinals, I'd maybe think, right, I want to put together a good performance just to give myself the confidence that my squash is where it needs to be and I want to feel good. But I feel like having won his first two rounds to love, he probably felt that way already, so he didn't need to do it. No. How about you, Chris? Yeah, it's harder for me to put myself in those shoes. I don't I don't really know if I've had to play like a a pool style tournament in you know, in my career, to be honest. Um it it happens in college a lot. In college squash you you come up against a team in the morning that maybe you don't have a good chance of beating. And then you have, this doesn't happen as much at the Ivy league level when, you know, the big matches that Stuart and I are coaching, but in some of my previous positions, um, you come up against a huge opponent in the afternoon and you have to play a match in the morning and players without a doubt come to you and say like, how much, 
how much should we be going for this morning match or should we be trying to conserve some energy for the big match in the afternoon? Yeah. And as a, as a coach, it's always tough. Cause it's like, um, well, if, as a competitor, you should want to win every match. It's, and at the top, at the top of the rank, at the top of the ranks of the team, you're also playing for like individual seatings and getting into individual top 16 draws and things of that nature. So like, I, I, I usually err on the side of go for it and then deal with, and then, and then recover and then deal with it later. Um, and for the most part it plays out how it should, but yeah, I mean, it it can come back to bite you if you have like two matches in a day and you, you know, you lose 11, nine in the fifth in the morning to a team that you had no chance at beating anyway. And then, and then you don't have much left in the tank in the afternoon. That's kind of like the, the, Relevance that I agree yeah. with Stewart. I think I think I would conserve. I don't have that much in the tank on a on a good day, so I got to conserve. Hey. I I would <laughs> I would probably go in with the same mindset, but I couldn't resist. I'd be like, oh, I can get that. I might as well just hit it. I just know that that's. And then I, I <laughs> still like even even as a, a man of my thirties, doesn't matter where it is. Uh, I'd still be like, oh. Man, let's just play. This is great. <laughs> and then I'd be <laughs> sore as anything the next day. And I'm like, all right, probably shouldn't have done that. Anyways, moving on. We got semis, guys. Predictions. I'm super excited for the Sherbagi Farag match. Yeah. Um, you've also got Sherbini and Tayeb, which is, I mean, technically the one and two seeds in this event. Um, yeah. Because Tayeb qualified second. I called um, that one. You did actually. Just quickly on our predictions, the current score. So of the, we obviously made eight predictions for the the two people we thought would make it through. Chris got six out of eight correct. Not bad. I got five. But I, but I will. And uh, I think Arthur might have got slightly less. But we'll save. We'll save his embarrassment by not. <laughs> no, no. This, this this is all good. Listen, guys. <laughs> I, I, well, I'm not. I'm not embarrassed at all because the two that are in it. I picked for the win. Like, I'm, o- I'm only going for the glory, man. <laughs> so, yeah, he got two out of eight right, but the two he predicted would win the tournament overall were the two that made it through. So he's still in with a shot for winning overall. That's, again, look like what we just talked about. The end goal is the same. We are looking to win. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I have, so I have Sherbini and Farag winning. Yep. Arthur has Sherbini and Marwan. Gawad. Gawad. And I, I had Marwan and Tayeb. Okay. And then... Um, and I'm, I'm actually feeling good with my men's pick. Like I said earlier, I'm maybe not quite so confident in my... I think I would prefer to be on your side of the fence on the women's pick. That's nice to have, you know, us picking different people, huh? Yeah, Great. well, only, only time will tell then. Time will tell. <laughs> Happy days. All right, well, uh, let's wrap up there and let's listen to Tarek Moman, who sent us this audio diary early after yesterday's match with Paul Cole. Again, for our audio diarists, um, Camille Serm, Sarah Jane Perry and Tarek Moman, really appreciate you guys uh, sending these in. It's been, it's been brilliant and not always the easiest thing or the most, or certainly probably the last thing you want to do after a loss, but uh, it's been great to get that insight. So, uh, yeah, happy days. Cheers. So here's my update uh, on yesterday's match. Um, 
again another loss uh, i'm not having a great week so far um i'm basically out of the tournament so i'm i'm going to be playing my my last match against marwan uh with no uh with no hope to qualify for the semis but yet uh, i'd be seeking uh, some ranking points and put a potential third place in my group instead of fourth so um, that should give me enough motivation to try my best um as for uh, paul's match um, i i i have a feeling that the first game was really crucial and i was i almost had it but i was a bit unlucky with uh, with an error from my side and a lucky bounce on his side or two lucky bounces kind of sealed the deal and uh, from then on i was playing catch up in the in the second game uh, i managed to come back again uh, but it was it was still very uh, it was hard to maintain i i made a few errors as well and uh, and he played some really good squash overall i'm i i can't say i'm i'm quite happy with the way i'm playing at the moment i think mentally i'm not i'm not in the right place and it's kind of affecting my game uh, but i'm just hoping the matches like like this one and and the one before would just sharpen me up a bit for the uh, for the upcoming tournaments um uh, and that's it yeah i'll be looking forward to my last match and hopefully have a week uh, to recover and regroup and come back a lot better in the next tournament thanks guys